Tonight, we are going to, I'm going to continue. I've been doing a series on DNC 76, and tonight we're going to continue that series. And the first one I did in the series was called The Three Kingdoms. The second one was called The Testimony of Jesus. And it's going to take us a while to get through this. The, the, the Book of Mormon, let me start out by saying that the Book of Mormon, this is really pretty evident to me once I've come to understand the doctrine of Christ, but the Book of Mormon is ascension scripture. It teaches us how we get to the next level in the kingdom of God. And what DNC 76 is, DNC 76 is an outline of this ascension. It doesn't go into detail about how we do these things, but what it is, it's just an outline. It gives us step-by-step instructions of, of what to do, of, of what happens in the ascension process. And specifically verses 50 through 70, where we are right now, is the outline of ascension into the celestial kingdom. It's starting out not away. It starts out in verse 50 as a person who is not even awake to the doctrine of Christ, who doesn't realize um, who they really are, has not had a mighty awakening yet, has not awoken to really anything, and they have not received the testimony of Jesus. And and we went through about five verses in in the last live stream that I did in DNC 76 called the, the testimony of Jesus. But the doctrine in DNC 76 is just so rich. It is, and it's difficult to understand with just a cursory reading. If you were just to read DNC 76, 50 through 70, you're not going to get it very well. You're not going to understand it without, without going really in depth in each verse and trying to understand what it's telling you. And we get, like I said, it's just an outline. So where we get the real doctrine, the real meat is in the Book of Mormon. DNC 76 just gives us a, a very, very cursory outline. And then the real doctrine of ascension, where we get the meat of it, is in the Book of Mormon. <clears throat> DNC 76 does not do that. It just gives us kind of step-by-step the ascension process. And and if, like I said, if we read DNC 76 quickly, we don't really know what's going on. So that's why we're spending so much time on each verse and breaking apart each verse in DNC 76. Um, so. We're just going to keep looking at a few select chapters within the Book of Mormon to kind of help us explain that ascension process in DNC 76. And and since the Book of Mormon is an is ascension scripture, um, I mean we could cover so much more in in we could cover the whole Book of Mormon going over DNC 76. But we're just we're just going to try and cover some select scriptures and just to try and explain um, DNC 76 a little deeper. So before we really get back into DNC 76, I want to point out how the Book of Mormon is Ascension Scripture. And starting with, it's all throughout the whole Book of Mormon. Starting with Lehi, it is the story really of how many different people's hearts were changed through faith in the Lord. And it does. It starts with Lehi. Let's go to 1 Nephi chapter 1, 4 through 6. And might I add my, my lovely wife, Tamara Briner, she's, she's working the scriptures tonight. So thank you to her. 1 Nephi chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Let's read. This is about Lehi. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. Now think about the amount of information that is contained in just those parentheses right there. My father Lehi, this is Nephi speaking, of course, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. So this is a man 
who, who was born to parents in Jerusalem, grew up as a child in Jerusalem, okay, went on to probably study some sort of, went through some sort of schooling in Jerusalem, went on to have a career, probably went from that career to start his own business. Now he has a business, he has a family, he's married. He's probably participating in all of the Jewish relig religious rituals all through, all through growing up throughout his whole life. And um, when, when I think of Lehi, I kind of think of a man like myself. I think he, he's just a guy, he has some sort of a business. And because of his labors, he's kind of built for himself this good lifestyle. And my oldest son, I'm 40, 43 years old. My oldest son is 12. And I picture Lehi as kind of a man having Laman, his oldest son, who Laman is probably now in his early 20s. And maybe Lehi is my same age. I kind of started having kids a little later in life. I had my first one when I was 31. And when I think of Lehi, like I said, I think of myself living in Babylon, chasing the dollar and, and kind of asleep to everything that's going on around him. And like I said, he's he's been raised in the Jewish religion, and he's been participating in that religion, just like I was raised in the LDS church, and I've just been participating in that church my whole life. Went on a mission and got married in the temple and just did everything everything that 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 we do in the LDS church, Lehi did in the Jewish religion. Now, he he did that until true prophets came along. So that is what that is everything in my mind that's contained in that little parenthetical little sentence right there. So let's start over in verse four. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. Now, Lehi has an awakening. And in that same year, there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. So Lehi, okay, he's just there doing his thing and he starts hearing these prophets. He starts hearing true prophets, Jeremiah, coming and saying, um, you guys need to change the way you're doing things, okay? So that's where Lehi is. Now, Lehi awakens and the same thing that happened to me, I've been living in sin my whole life. I haven't I haven't been doing following the Lord the way the Lord wants me to follow him. I've been seeking the Lord the way I want to seek the Lord, but not the way the Lord wants me to seek him. And that's what Lehi awakens to. Let's go to verse five. Wherefore, it came to pass that my father, Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord. Now, I did the same thing. I was very confused about, about everything that I was seeing in the church, in the LDS church, and, and confused about, about the scriptures and what is this baptism of fire, gift of the Holy Ghost? What is all this? I did the same thing, okay? Wherefore, it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, yea, even with all his heart in behalf of his people. So at this point, he has awakened. Verse six, and it came to pass as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire and dwelt upon a rock before him. Okay, so Lehi is receiving baptism of fire and probably the gift of the Holy Ghost at this time. And he saw and heard much. And because of the things which he saw and heard, he did quake and tremble exceedingly. So Lehi, at this point, he begins to ascend. Okay, he was asleep and he gains the testimony of Jesus. Okay, as outlined in DNC 76, starting in verse 50. We have a story of awakening and ascension in the first six verses of Lehi. Lehi's baptism, Lehi is baptized with fire, okay? 
and thus starts the ascension process of Lehi. Now let's take a quick look at the next person. Let's look at Nephi's ascension, his son. First Nephi chapter two, verse 16. Okay. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, <clears throat> being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. So we see that Nephi, before this time, okay, he views himself as having a hard heart, which is exactly how I viewed myself. I had a hard heart. I wouldn't listen to the Lord. I, need, I needed to be guided by the Lord, but I wasn't willing to listen to him. And so Nephi hadn't made up his mind at this point to really follow the Lord until he went and prayed. And he says, the Lord visited him, which is what I feel like the same thing happened to me and to my family. And even though he being very, he's, he was very young, he says that, um, he still had desires. And I think of this in terms of my own children. Um, my own children uh, are 10. Well, I have a six-year-old. She doesn't really understand what's going on. But the 10 and the 12-year-old, they see it, okay? I awakened myself and I began to teach my children the things that I was seeing. And, and they awakened as well. They began to see the exact same things. We would just talk about it openly in our home, what was going on, and we were reading the Book of Mormon, and they began to see all the same things that I was seeing. So I picture, and now they're, they, they get it. They get the doctrine of Christ, and they understand the new and everlasting covenant. I feel like they have entered into that covenant. And so I picture the same family dynamic that happened in my family happening to Lehi and his whole family. Now, Nephi awakens at this point, and he says, I didn't rebel. I didn't do the same things that my brother was doing. Now, Nephi, it appears that there is a turning point in his life at this point. And that turning point happens in 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, scripture mastery from my high school days. So let's, let's read this real quick. 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 7. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. So Nephi, he has made up his mind at this point. I will enter into covenant with the Lord. I see it. I get it. I see the things that my father is seeing. I see that that other people in Jerusalem are asleep. They don't understand. They don't, they don't get it. But I want to enter into covenant with the Lord. Okay, so we could go through the entire Book of Mormon just like that. We could go through Jacob. We could go through Enos. We could go through Alma the Elder. We could, I mean, look at Alma the Elder. I mean, how how much more uh, wicked? And and when we say the word wicked, we just mean that that he was not entering into covenant with the Lord. Wicked in biblical terms is just seeking seeking your own will before the will of God, whatever that is, and. So we could go through the entire Book of Mormon and point out how the the ascension process of every character in the Book of Mormon. Alma the Elder is really easy. Lehi's pretty easy. Nephi's pretty easy. Enos is an easy one. Alma the Younger is an easy one. Started out persecuting the church. Has a baptism of fire. He gains the testimony of Jesus. Receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. And goes on to become the presiding high priest in the Church of the Firstborn amongst the Nephites. Um, so let's for that. Let's go through and read. The ascension process, again, we went through these first five verses about 
a month and a half ago, two months ago, DNC 76 verses 50 through 54. Okay, starting in verse 50. Joseph Smith, and again, we bear record. Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon, they're having this vision. And again, we bear record for we saw and heard. And this is the testimony of the gospel of Christ concerning them who shall come forth in the resurrection of the just. Okay, so how did the people that come forth in the resurrection of the just do that? How did they get there? Well, this is the process they went through. They are they who received the testimony of Jesus. Same thing Lehi received. Same thing Nephi received. Same thing I feel like I received. They are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name. And this according to the commandment which he has given. Okay, we've just, we've entered in testimony of Jesus and water baptism. And for me, that whole process took 43 years. Verse 52, that by keeping the commandments, now this is entering into covenant with Jesus Christ, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit that's the gift of the Holy Ghost, by the laying out of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. Now, for most of us, this step has not occurred yet, me included. Verse 53, and who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. Now, we, we, we this, this, that, that deserves a whole hour and a half by itself, but in, in simple terms, this is second comforter language. Verse 54, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. This is a celestial order church. Now, like I said, we covered those five verses in a presentation about, about two months ago called the testimony of Jesus. Um, let's th- we're going to go. So today, the, the title of the presentation is Overcoming All Things. And what really is all things? Verse 55, they are they into whose hands the Father has given all things. Now, again, we're talking about people who have who have not only entered into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is a telestial order church, they've entered into the Church of, they've, they've been accepted into the Church of Christ, which is a terrestrial order church. They've, in other words, they've received the baptism of fire, gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we've got people who have entered into the celestial order of the gospel, the Church of the Firstborn. And these are the people, they are they into whose hands the Father has given all things. and. It's kind of interesting that here the Father gives us all things in verse 55. And then in verse 60 of DNC 76, um, they are they and they shall overcome all things. So isn't it interesting that we're first given all things, but we don't have to overcome all things until a later time period. It just shows how trusting the Lord is that he's willing to give us all everything that he has. And we'll talk about exactly what that is, what all things means and go into depth in that. But we have to later, we later have to overcome all things. Okay. So let's get into it here. We're going to, we're going to go to Luke 14 and the version you're going to see on your screen is a little different. The the version you're going to see on your screen is uh, just the King James Version from the LES.org, LES.org website. The version that I'm reading from is called the American Standard Version, and it's just a little version. It's just a little different. It's kind of it's a little easier to understand. Um, starting in verse one in Luke 14, and this will kind of all come together. Luke 14, verse one, and it came to pass that he, this is speaking of Christ, he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees on a Sabbath to eat bread. And they were watching him. 
Okay, the Pharisees were watching Jesus. Verse 2, and behold, there was before him a certain man who had the dropsy. I don't know anything about that, but it sounds bad. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they held their peace. In other words, they didn't answer him. And he took Jesus, took him, this is the man that was sick, and healed him and let him go. And he, Jesus, said unto them, the Pharisees, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a well and will not straightway draw him up on the Sabbath day? And they, the Pharisees, could not answer again these things. <clears throat> okay. Now, at this point, the Lord starts giving, he starts getting into parables with the Pharisees. Okay. Because I don't think they're quite sure what's going on here. Um, now, he wants to teach them, but he also wants to keep them from condemnation. So we're going to go to, we're going to jump past one, a couple parables, and we're going to go right into verse 15. Okay. Um, and when one of them that sat at meat, remember they were eating at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Jesus, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he, Jesus, said unto him, a certain man, okay, he's giving another parable here, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many. In other words, he invited many people to come to his supper. Um, and, and the certain man, I believe here, is Christ, is Jesus. Verse 17, and he sent forth his servant. This is the man that's giving the supper. He sent forth his servant at supper time to say, that, to, say to them that were bidden. In other words, everyone that, that's invited, he sent his servant out to tell them, come, for all things are now ready. Now notice the phrase, all things, okay? All things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. So he's invited them to dinner and and he sends a servant to get them to come. And immediately they start giving excuses as to why they can't do it. Okay. Now think of this in terms of yourself. Okay. All things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first, there's three of them. There's three of them that give excuses. The first said unto him, Jesus. I have bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. Okay, that's really important. Remember that. The first guy said, I've bought a piece of land, and now I have to go view it. Okay, now think in your mind what we would do today. We would go out, and we would view the land, make sure it's not a death-forsaken swamp or something, and and then we would purchase it with our money. But in 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 Hebrew tradition, you would purchase something, and then to finalize the purchase, you would go out and view it. The first said unto him, I have a field, and I must needs go out and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Okay, so I can't come. I got stuff. I got other stuff going on. Okay, verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Okay, today we might say, look, I just got this new car. I can't make it. I got to go out and give her a test drive because... And so I can't make it. Just excuse me. Now, this next guy here is the very best one. Okay, you're going to love it. And and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So this guy blames it on his wife. Okay. And the servant came and told his Lord these things. So he goes back and he's like, look, they're all saying they don't want to show up. They don't they got they got all kinds of reasons why. Then the master of the house being angry said unto his servant, 
Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and maimed and blind and lame. You go out there and you get anybody who is willing to come to my house. I've got this awesome feast. Everything's ready. Remember, all things are ready. Okay. And get them in here. Uh, Verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, again, remember that all things were prepared. Now, stick with me here. This will all become clear. Let's go to Isaiah 39. Now, Isaiah 39, we're, we're, we're reading a story. Um, there's, a guy, there's a guy named Hezekiah is a type and a shadow for Christ. Now, he's still a man, so he's not perfect, he, but he is a type and a shadow for Christ. So remember that. Isaiah 39, starting in verse 1. At the time... Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon. Now, remember that. Remember who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the king of Babylon. Sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he, that's the king of Babylon, had heard that he, Hezekiah, had been sick and was recovered. So it's something we might do for a neighbor. You know, you have a sick neighbor and you want to, they get better and you take them something saying, oh, I'm so glad you're better. Um, they've been in the hospital and they come home, you take them a dinner. That's kind of what's going on here. Now, verse two, Hezekiah, we get Hezekiah's reaction and Hezekiah was glad of them. So he's thankful that the king of Babylon came to him. Now, what did Hezekiah do for the king of Babylon to show his thankfulness? Starting in verse two again, and Hezekiah was glad of them and shewed them the house of his precious things the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in, nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah shewed them not. So Hezekiah invites them in and shows them all things, right? Verse three, then came Isaiah the prophet unto Hezekiah and said unto him, Now, this is so again, Isaiah is talking to Hezekiah, and this is what he says to him. What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, they are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. And said he, this is Isaiah talking to Hezekiah, and said he, what have they seen in thine house? In other words, what did you show them? Very hesitant. And Hezekiah answered, what? All, all that is in my house they have seen. I showed them everything. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, now he's going to prophesy. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. In other words, okay, this is what the Lord has to say to you about what you did. Behold, verse 6, behold, the days come that all, think all things, all that is in thine house and that which thy father have laid up in store until this day shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. In other words, you're going to lose everything. These people from Babylon, now that you've shown them everything, okay, they have claim to it. And they're going to come and they're going to take every single thing that you have. Not, not in your time period. Well, let's read verse 7. And thy sons, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, so he doesn't have them yet, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So 
Babylon is going to come and lay siege to your whole kingdom and take everything you have. And your sons are going to be servants in their palace. Okay, what's what should be rightfully theirs. They're not going to have it. Now, this is not going to happen to Hezekiah, but it will happen to his sons. Now, and this is why he rejoices in the next verse. You may think, let's let's read verse eight. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And you're like, what? Good? How is it possibly a good thing that these men are going to come and take everything that I own? Okay, well, he clarifies. He said, moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Okay, so this, at least this is not going to happen during my time. Okay, Hezekiah was a righteous king. Now, what does this all have to do with Luke 14 and the phrase all Things. Now, this is commentary from Avram Gileadi on IsaiahExplained.com. Avram Gileadi says, anciently, a man could lay claim to what he had purchased by going to view it. The viewing of it was a formal act that laid claim to it. The king of Babylon coming to view everything was an unwitting act of giving them claim over it. To finalize the purchase, the man might have said, I have purchased some land and I must go view it. Now we go full circle back to Luke 14, where that is why this man that wanted to go to, that, well, he didn't want to go, that he was invited to the, the supper of the Lord. What the excuse that he gave was, I have purchased some land and now I must go view it. Okay, so laying, laying claim in Hebrew to, tradition to, to something that, that was given to you or something you'd purchase was actually going to view that thing. Um, remember Luke 14, 18, we don't need to pull it up, but, and, and, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a field and I must needs go out and see it. I pray thee have me excused. So he bought the land and then to finalize the purchase, he went out and see it to see it. Now, <clears throat> Again, DNC 7655, they are they into whose hands the Father has given all things. So remember, first Hezekiah, he showed the king of Babylon all things. And then the king of Babylon laid claim to all things in the kingdom of King Hezekiah. The showing of all things um, is preparatory to receiving all things. Okay, so let's go to let's go to Ether 3 and look at somebody who first saw all things and then received all things. And that person is, of course, the brother of Jared. We're going to read quite a bit in Ether 3. Ether 3, this is literally Ether, or uh, the brother of Jared's second comforter experience. This is him having his calling and election made sure. And we'll see what we'll see coming up, what that has to do with the phrase all things. Ether 3, Ether chapter 3, verse 1. And it came to pass, and we'll stop and talk about these um, as we read. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared, now the brother, now now the number of vessels which had been prepared was eight, went forth unto the mount which they called the Mount Shelem, because of its exceeding height, and did molten out of rock sixteen small stones, and they were white. Excuse me, they were white and clear, even as transparent glass. And he did carry them in his hands upon the top of the mountain and cried unto the Lord, saying, cried. I don't think this is just, just a, a small, soft-spoken prayer. It says he cried 
out unto the Lord, saying, and there is great power in crying out unto the Lord. O Lord, thou hast said that we must be encompassed about by the floods. Now, this is a prayer. This is a heartfelt prayer that, that the brother of Jared is giving to the Lord. O Lord, thou hast said that we must be encompassed about by the floods. Now behold, O Lord, and do not be angry with thy servant because of his weakness before me. For we know that thou art holy and dwellest in the heavens and that we are unworthy before thee because of the fall. And because, because of the fall, our natures have become evil, evil continually. Nevertheless, O Lord, thou hast given us a commandment that we must call upon thee, that from thee we may receive according to our desires. Behold, O Lord, thou hast smitten us because of our iniquity and hast driven us forth. And for these many years we have been in the wilderness. Nevertheless, thou hast been merciful unto us. O Lord, look upon me in pity and turn away thine anger from this thy people and suffer not that they shall go forth across this raging deep in darkness. But behold, these things which I have molten out of the rock. Do you see, do you see the humility that the brother of Jared is, is giving to the Lord there? He's giving him his whole heart and his whole soul. Oh, Lord, look upon me in pity and turn away thine anger from this thy people. He doesn't, he knows that he's not owed anything. He doesn't expect anything from the Lord. And he doesn't expect the Lord to show himself to the, to the brother of Jared. He doesn't expect anything. All he did, he just came up with an idea and he's like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go and make some stones, some clear stones, and I'll have the Lord touch him with his finger. And may, maybe he'll do that. Maybe he'll have mercy on me. And maybe he'll do that. Verse four, and I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power and can do whatsoever thou wilt for the benefit of man. Therefore, touch these stones, O Lord, with thy finger and prepare them that they may shine forth in darkness and they shall shine forth unto us in the vessels which we have prepared that we may have light while we shall cross the sea. Behold, O Lord, thou canst do this. We know that thou art able to show forth great power, which looks small unto the understanding of men. And it came to pass that when the brother of Jared had said these words, behold, the Lord stretched forth his hand and touched the stones one by one with his finger. And the veil was taken from off the eyes of the, bro of the brother of Jared. And he saw the finger of the Lord like, and he saw the finger of the Lord. And it was the finger of a man like unto flesh and blood. And the brother of Jared fell down before the Lord, for he was struck with fear. And the Lord saw that the brother of, brother of Jared had fallen to the earth. And the Lord said unto them, Arise, why hast thou fallen? And he, and he, the brother of Jared, said unto the Lord, I saw the finger of the Lord, and I feared lest he should smite me. For I knew that the Lord had not flesh and blood. For I knew not that the Lord had flesh and blood. Verse 9, And the Lord said unto him, Because of thy faith thou hast seen that I shall take upon me flesh and blood. And never has man come before me with such exceeding faith, faith as, thou, as thou hast. For were it not so, ye could not have seen my finger. Sawest thou more than this? And he answered, Nay, Lord, show thyself unto me. And the Lord said unto him, Believest thou the words which I shall speak? In other words, if you're not going to continue to do the things that I ask you to do, it's better that we not do this. Okay. But the Lord gives the brother of Jared, he gives him a chance, okay? And the brother of Jared, what does he say? And he answered, verse 12, Yea, Lord, I know that thou speakest the truth, for thou art a God of truth and canst lie. 
verse 13. And when he had said these words, behold, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall. Therefore, ye are brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. Now, look what's going on. The brother of Jared is not literally transported up into, well, I think he is taken up to the seventh heaven, but that is not his permanent residence from here on out. He comes just as Moses. He comes back down to earth, okay? But the Lord is saying, I know your heart and you are redeemed. Even though the brother of Jared has got an entire lifetime ahead of him, okay? Therefore, you are brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. Now, at that moment, I do believe that he was brought back into the presence of the Lord, but it was not a permanent state. That was not his permanent residence. Verse 14, behold, I am he. Now, you've got to picture what's going on. The brother of Jared is now up in the presence of the Lord, in the fullness of his glory, and the Lord Jesus Christ introduces himself. Behold, I am he who is prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name, and they shall become my sons and daughters. Okay, he's teaching the brother of Jared the doctrine of Christ. Isn't that just so cool? Anytime we're in the presence of the Lord, we can expect to hear the same thing because his doctrine doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Verse 15, and never have I showed myself unto man whom I have created, for never has man believed in me as thou hast. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. This is what the Lord is teaching brother, the brother of Jared face to face. Okay, Behold, this body which ye now behold is the body of my spirit. And man have I created after the body of my spirit. And even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, will I appear unto my people in the flesh. Okay, still a cool introduction going on. And I'm sure the Lord taught him so much more. In fact, we know that the Lord taught him so much more. We'll we'll see that in a minute. But here we get an interruption from Moroni. Moroni kind of puts his own, he kind of, he, he starts, Moroni gives us what he, what's going on here. And now as I Moroni, verse 17, and now as I Moroni, said, I could not make a full account of these things which were written. Therefore, it sufficeth me to say that Jesus showed himself unto this man in the spirit, even after the manner and in the likeness of the same body, even as he showed himself unto the Nephites. And he, the Lord, ministered unto him, the brother of Jared, even as he ministered unto the Nephites. And all this, that this man, the brother of Jared, might know that he was God, because of the many great works which the Lord had showed unto him, okay? So there is a lot more, okay, that the Lord showed the brother of Jared that we are not privy to. Verse 19, and because of the knowledge of this man, brother of Jared, he could not be kept from from beholding within the veil. And he saw the finger of Jesus, which when he saw, he fell with fear, for he knew that it was the finger of the Lord. And he had faith no longer, for he knew, nothing doubting. Therefore, having this perfect knowledge of God, he could not be kept from within the veil. Therefore, he saw Jesus, and he, Jesus, did minister unto him, the brother of Jared. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, Behold, 
Thou shalt not suffer these things which ye have seen and heard to go forth unto the world until the time cometh that I shall glorify my name in the flesh, okay, until the second coming. His name was not glorified in the flesh in Jesus's first ministry. We're talking about the second coming. Until the time that I shall glorify my name in the flesh, wherefore ye shall treasure up the things which ye have seen and heard and show it to no man. And behold, when ye shall come unto me, Okay, this is the Lord still talking to brother of Jared. This is so cool. This is second comforter still. Okay, and behold, when ye shall come unto me, you're here right now, but you're going to keep coming back. You're going to keep coming back. When ye shall come unto me again in the future, ye shall write them the things that I teach you. That's parent, that's my parentheses there. Ye shall write them and shall seal them up that no one can interpret them. For ye shall write them in a language that they cannot be read. Now, we're gonna go, we're gonna go and and we're gonna come back and finish the brother of Jared, but we're gonna go and read something that Joseph Smith said on the second comforter in in the next slide. This is a quote from Joseph Smith regarding the other comforter. Um, this is taken from Joseph Smith papers. We're reading where it starts the other comforter. Um, you should be able to see it there. The other comforter spoken of is a subject of great interest and perhaps understood by few of this generation. Now, this again, this is what the brother of Jared just received. This is the second comforter, the other comforter. After a per person hath faith in Christ, okay, you see the ascension process being laid out here. This is DNC, or the DNC 76. 5051, after a person hath faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of sins, and receives the Holy Ghost, we're up to DNC 7653 or so, um, by the laying on of hands, which is the first comforter, and let him continue to humble himself before God, entering into the new and everlasting covenant, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God, which is revelation, and the Lord will soon say unto him, son. Okay, so at this point, this person has received the baptism of fire, a gift of the Holy Ghost, because the Lord is calling him son. Son, thou shalt be exalted. And when the Lord has thoroughly proved him, in other words, until when he's passed all the tests, okay, in other words, overcome all things. Well, we haven't gotten to that point yet, excuse me. When the Lord has thoroughly proven him and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazard, then the man will find him, will find his calling and election made sure. Then it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter, which the Lord hath promised the saints, as is recorded in the testimony of St. John in the 14th chapter from the 12th to 27th verse. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Okay, this is Christ talking. And that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth. So in order for this to happen, the Lord has to get permission from the Father. 17, even the spirit of truth, whom, let's see, we're still back on uh, Joseph's papers. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. 
Okay, this is exactly what the brother of Jared received. And this is the exact ascension process as is laid out verse by verse in DNC 76. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, what is this other comforter? Joseph Smith gets to the bottom line. It is no more or less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this is the sum and substance of the whole matter, that when any man obtains this last, last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to attend to him or appear unto him from time to time. And even he will manifest the Father unto him, and they will take up their abode with him. And the visions of the heavens will be opened unto him, and the Lord will teach him face to face. And he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And this is the state and place the ancient saints arrived at when they had such glorious vision. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John upon the Isle of Patmos, St. Paul in the third heavens, and all the saints who held communion with the General Assembly and the Church of the Firstborn, including the brother of Jared. Okay, So when Christ says, when Joseph Smith is telling us, you know, he will take up his abode with you. He is going to come to you, not just once, but from time to time, the Lord will take up his abode with you and come and visit you and teach you. Okay. Let's go back to ether chapter three, continuing on looking at the brother of Jared and his second comforter experience. Remember, we're talking about all things and behold, these two stones will I give unto thee and ye shall seal them. Up also along with the things which ye shall write. For behold, the language which ye shall write, I have confounded. Wherefore, I will cause in my own due time that these stones shall magnify to the eyes of men these things which ye shall write. And when the Lord had said these words, he showed unto the brother of Jared all the inhabitants of the earth which had been, and also all that would be. And he withheld them not from his sight, even unto the ends of the earth. Okay, so what is going on here? The Lord is showing the brother of Jared all things for he had said unto him in times before that if he would believe in him that he could show unto him all things it should be shown unto him therefore the lord could not withhold anything from him for he knew that the lord could show him all things and the lord said unto him write these things and seal them up and i will show unto them and i will show them in mine own due time unto the children of men and it came to pass that the lord commanded him that she, he should seal up the two stones which he had received and show them not until the Lord should show them under the children of men. Now that is coming. So think about regarding, understand the things that we've, that we've talked about so far, okay? The brother of Jared was shown all things. Now, this is good, this is as good in the eyes of the Lord as receiving all things. It is promised to you, okay? Remember, in Hebrew tradition, you first view all things. You first you are first given, you go and make a purchase, just like the man in, in Luke 14. And then to finalize the purchase, you view all, you, you go and view that purchase. So in viewing in the Lord, showing all things to the brother of Jared, he's not saying, ha ha, look at all of the stuff that I have. No, he is giving all of these things just by the act of showing them to the brother of Jared. He is giving him all things okay this is as good as receiving it christ gives you his word he has shown it to you he knows you so well at this point that he knows that you are going to keep his commandments and then the overcoming takes place okay that's when the tests start the brother of jared was shown all things at the very beginning of his journey not at the end 
Okay, he still has yet to overcome all things as is laid, laid out in DNC 84. He still has an entire ocean to cross and a civilization to establish before the end of his life. And and once the end of his mortal life was reached, I'm sure there was even more after that that the brother of Jared had to do. But the, the point of it is that, that the Lord is so trusting of us that he shows us all things before we have overcome all things. Now, let's take a look and try and understand when the Lord shows us all things, okay, he's, he's giving us all things and saying, I trust you with all of this. This is all yours. Okay, but the Lord is still in possession of those same things. He doesn't give them up. He gives them to you as well. And to whoever desires everything that he has, he gives them to them. First, he shows them to them. Now, let's go to DNC 29, verses 1 and 2. We're going to do some work in DNC 29 to try and understand what it means. What is this all things? Okay, DNC 29, verses 1 and 2. Listen to the voice of Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, the great I am, whose arm of mercy hath atoned for your sins. In other words, I have the ability to give you all things. Verse 2, who will gather his people, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, even as many as will hearken. Now, that word hearken, again, it indicates hearing or receiving and then acting. Okay, let's start over in verse 2. Who will gather his people, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, even as many as will hearken to my voice and humble themselves before me, and call upon me in mighty prayer. Remember what the brother of Jared did, okay? Now, let's cross-reference this real quick so we can get kind of a greater understanding of what the word hearken means. Um, we're going to cross-reference Omni, verses, or chapter 1, one chapter in Omni, verses 12 and 13. Um, we're going to look at, again, the word hearken and what that means, and what that means for us in this time period, what it meant for the brother of Jared in his time period. Remember, this was a remnant. The brother of Jared was a remnant that was carried out, just like Lehi. Lehi and his family were a remnant, okay? They were carried out. Now we're going to look at one more remnant in Omni. And um, how does this pertain to us? Well, the world is full of wickedness and abomination at this point, and there will be a remnant that is carried out. And hopefully we are part of that remnant if we can recognize the voice of the Lord. Let's look at what the people in Omni did. Behold, verse 12, I am a Malachi, the son of Abinadam. Behold, I will speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, who was made king over the land of Zarahemla. For behold, he being warned of the Lord. Notice how it doesn't say another man. He being warned of a man. No, he being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi. Does this sound familiar? Okay. Um, the brother of Jared, you need to get out of the land of Babylon. You need to make some boats. You need to get across the sea or else you're going to die. Uh, Lehi, you need to you need to get out of here. You need to get out of Jerusalem because they're going to kill you. Okay. He being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi. And as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him into the wilderness. Notice how the people that left, they didn't hearken unto King Mosiah's voice. They hearkened unto the voice of the Lord. It was not a man that told them to get out. It was, it was the voice of the Lord. Verse 13, 
And it came to pass that he did according as the Lord had commanded him. And they departed out of the land into the wilderness. Again, he says it again, as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And they were led by many preachings and prophesyings. And they were admonished continually by the word of God. Who is the word of God? The word, remember John 1, John 1, verse 1, in the beginning, uh, the word was with God and the word was, I don't know how, I don't remember it. But anyway, the word of the Lord is the voice, the word of God is Christ. And they were admonished continually by the word of God, who is Christ. And they were led by the power of his arm. Okay, those who sought revelation, they were the ones who were led out through the wilderness until they came down into the land, which is called the land of Zarahemla. So again, today, in today's time, if we are waiting for a man to carry us to a place of safety, we are going to be we are going to be waiting a long time because it is not a man that carries us to safety. It is the voice of the Lord. Let's go back to DNC 29. DNC 29 verses 3 and 4. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you that at this time your sins are forgiven you. Now, this is a group of elders that are meeting with Joseph Smith. Now, look at the language that's used here, okay? Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you that at this time your sins are forgiven you. Okay, this language that's being used is baptism of fire, gift of the Holy Ghost language. We'll look at that in a minute. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you that at this time your sins are forgiven you. Therefore, ye receive these things, but remember to sin no more, lest perils shall come upon you. Verily, I say unto you that ye are chosen out of the world to declare my gospel with the sound of rejoicing as with the voice of a trump. Now, how do we know that these people right now are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost? Okay, let's cross-reference this language that's being used here. Ye are chosen out of the world. Let's cross-reference that with 3 Nephi 19, verses 19 and 20. Okay, and starting in verse 19, And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them, Jesus and the Nephites. And went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, now, chapter 19 of 3 Nephi is where the Nephites receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, now the Father, or Christ is going to the Father and he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. Okay, let's go back to DNC 29, verse 4. Okay, what's the language that's used there? Verily, I say unto you, okay, these elders that are with Joseph Smith, I say unto you that you're chosen out of the world. Verse 3, he says their sins, he forgives them of their sins. This is redemption. This is the Lord cleansing them of their sins. Okay, DN, or we're not going to look it up, but go read 2 Nephi 31 if you need clarification on this. The forgiveness or redemption, cleansing of our sins is, is, the, is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's when that occurs. They are chosen out of the world. Verily, I say unto you that ye are chosen out of the world. This is these group of elders receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, let's go on to verse 5. DNC 29. Let's first go to verse 5. Lift up your hearts and be glad, for I am in your midst and am your advocate with the Father. And it is his good will to give you the kingdom. You Now, okay, now it doesn't explicitly say it here, but look at the language here. Look at the language here. 
I am your advocate with the Father, okay? And it is his good will, the good will of the Father to give you the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom? It is everything that he has. It is all things. He doesn't say it explicitly, but the Father, he gives you his word. He gives you his good will, okay? The kingdom. You don't have it yet, but it's coming. You keep doing, entering in the covenant with me, and it will be yours, okay? Verse six. And as it is written, whatsoever ye shall ask in faith, being united in prayer according to my command, ye shall receive. Okay, let's look at that phrase. Okay, what is the Lord saying to them? They have just received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know that because they've been chosen out of the world. Okay, the same thing, again, that Christ says to the Nephites in 3 Nephi 19. He is promising them the kingdom, all things. You have entered in at the gate. You've received the baptism of fire, gift of the Holy Ghost. You are on your way to receiving the whole of God's kingdom. Okay, verse 7. And ye are called to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect. Okay, now that you are chosen out, now that you are elected for redemption, now it's your job to go get others. Okay, go go tell the things that that I, that you understand. Go get others to understand it now. And you're called to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect. For mine elect, hear my voice. They enter into covenant with me and harden not their hearts. He is saying, you are now my elect. And I call you to go, go and gather the, one, the other ones that are elect, all that will hear his voice. Verse eight, wherefore the decree hath gone forth from the father. That's a pretty big deal. From the father that they shall be gathered in unto one place. Okay, this is a remnant being carried out again. These are the elect. These are the ones whom the Lord has chosen. Start from verse, start in verse eight again. Wherefore, the Lord, the, the decree hath gone forth from the Father that they shall be gathered in into one place, the remnant, upon the face of this land, the Americas, to prepare their hearts and be prepared in all things against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth upon the wicked. In other words, Bad things are coming your way. This is talking about Joseph Smith's second ministry. Get ready for hard times. Get ready to overcome all things, just like the brother of Jared. The brother of Jared was shown all things, and then he had an entire lifetime okay, of trials, crossing an ocean and establishing a civilization and a whole new country before his life was over. It's coming. This, the Lord is saying it's coming, and you had better be prepared. Verse nine, for the hour is nigh and the, do, and the day soon at hand when the earth is ripe, that is now. This is Joseph Smith's second ministry. And all the proud and they that do wickedly shall be as stubble. And I will burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that wickedness shall not be upon the earth. For the hour is nigh, he says it again. And that which was spoken by mine apostles must be fulfilled. For as they spoke, so, so shall it come to pass. For I will reveal myself from heaven with power and great glory with all the host thereof and dwell in righteousness with men on earth a thousand years and the wicked shall not stand. Okay, now we're into a millennial time period. And again, verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, and it hath gone forth in a firm decree by the will of the father that mine apostles, the 12 which were with me in my ministry, in my ministry at Jerusalem shall stand at my right hand at the day of my coming in a pillar of fire, being clothed with robes of righteousness, with crowns upon their heads in glory, even as I am to judge the whole house of Israel, 
even as many as have loved me and kept my commandments and none else. So first of all, we get the 12 apostles. Okay, he says, being clothed with robes of righteousness, with crowns upon their head, heads in glory, even as I am. Okay, so even though they are not yet saviors, they have not performed or fulfilled atonements. Okay, the Lord is making them his equal in glory, even as I am. Okay, we get more clarification in verse 13. For a trump shout, this is second coming language, for a trump shall sound both long and loud, even as upon Mount Sinai, and the earth shall quake, and they shall come forth, yea, even the dead which die in me. Now, those who have died as to the mortal body, but had entered in at the gate. Okay, remember these people that he's speaking to have just been baptized with fire in the Holy Ghost. They have entered in at the gate. Okay, sorry, let's start over in verse 13. For a trump shall sound both long and loud, even as upon Mount Sinai, and all the earth shall quake, and they shall come forth, the elect, yea, even the dead which died in me, to receive a crown of righteousness and to be clothed upon even as I am, to be with me, that we may be one, okay? He gives them all things, even though, even though they have not done what the Lord did, they did not triumph over everything. They did not fulfill an atonement as Jesus Christ did. He still, he makes them his equal to receive a crown of righteousness and to be clothed upon, even as I am to be with me, that we may be one. Do you see how awesome this is? How cool this is? Now, let me, let's talk about that word, the word clothe. And it's an interesting word that the Lord uses. And he, he says that word, he uses that word quite a bit in verses 12 and 13. And let me diverge from the scriptures for one minute. So I went on a mission to Argentina. I went on a Spanish speaking mission. And the word, the word clothe in Spanish is vestir, okay? So vestir, you can, well, you can kind of hit vest. You put a vest on, vestir. To clothe is vestir. Now, the word endowment in Spanish is called investidura. So you receive your endowment in the temple. You take out your investidura. And you can kind of hear that 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 root word of vestir in vestidura to clothe well so when the lord says that he clothes us well what is he clothing us with okay with power what else does christ have he has all power he has the ability to give us all things we inherit everything that he has all things and the gate to that all things is the baptism of fire gift of the Holy Ghost. And just as he showed the brother of Jared all things, he's willing to show us all things. Okay, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into what is all things. Let's go to Mosiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Okay, and now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. I didn't give an introduction to this, but this is King Benjamin. You probably already know what's going on. Okay, verse 2. And they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. Okay, they, they have an awakening. And they all cried aloud with one voice, 
Oh, have mercy. Okay, they are asking for the baptism of fire gift of the Holy Ghost here. Oh, have mercy. Alma the Younger always uses the word mercy when referring to the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things who shall come down among the children of men. So there we learn that Jesus Christ is the creator of everything. And if he, if he is the, just like us, if we create something on this earth, if we create a piece of artwork, or if we, if we start a business or whatever it is, whatever the case may be, whatever we create, we own that. That's ours. We have strict, there are strict copyright laws in, in the U.S. that protect the creators of intellectual material from others taking that property and claiming it as their own and making money with that. Okay, so the Lord is the creator of all things. He owns all things, and he has the ability to give us all things. Um, Let's read verse 3. Back to Mosiah. Mosiah chapter 4, um, verse 3. Last verse in Mosiah. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. Okay, this is their baptism of fire, gift of the Holy Ghost. And they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ, who should come according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. So all of these people, the people of King Benjamin, that receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, they become co-inheritors with Jesus Christ. Okay, All of them have all things. There's nobody greater than one another in the kingdom of God. Now, it's the opposite in the kingdom of the adversary. There is one person who rules over all, and that is the adversary. But in the kingdom of God, there everything is equal and everybody possesses all things. Let's go to DNC 88, 105 through, through 107. Let's flesh this out a little more. Um, DNC 88, 105. And again, another angel shall sound his trump, which is the sixth angel, saying, She is fallen who made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. She is fallen. She is fallen. So the context of this, this is a future time period. This has not happened yet. Okay. How do we know that? Well, the, this scripture is, the Lord is referring here to the whore of Babylon. She is fallen who is who who made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication she is fallen she is fallen okay that has not happened yet we all are entrenched in babylon we all live in babylon okay this is referring to the fall of the great and abominable church the whore of all the earth and and it's interesting this church is they it's always referred to as a woman and a whore and the reason this church is referred to as a whore is because she sells that which is sacred for money. And an, an example of this would be like um, the selling of indulgences in medieval times in the Catholic Church. They would, they would sell indulgences, and for a certain amount of money, you could go and buy a particular indulgence, and then you could go out and, and basically commit that sin knowing that you've been already, that sin's already been paid for. You're good because you've paid money for that sin. So um, if you're a member of a church or an organization that requires your money 
that asks you for money and in turn offers a blessing or ordinances or whatever and, and promises salvation for that money, you probably want to think rethink your membership in that organization because that mem- that organization is the whore of all the earth. It is the church of the devil. Okay, verse 106. And again, okay, this is a future tense. Another angel, okay, Babylon has fallen. The great whore has fallen. Another angel shall sound his trump after this, which is the seventh angel saying, it is finished. It is finished. The Lamb of God hath overcome and trodden the winepress alone, even the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. 107, and when and then shall the angels be crowned with glory of his might. Okay, these are the translated beings. These are the angels who come forth on the morning of the first resurrection. Okay, this is a millennial. We're entering a millennial time period. This is after everything has been done. This is after 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 Babylon has fallen and after we've we've made it to safety, we've made it to to Zion, we've made it to the New Jerusalem. 107, one more time. And then shall the angels be crowned with the glory of his might, and the saints shall be filled with his glory and receive their inheritance and be made equal with him. In other words, he gives them all things, everything that he has. They are his equal. Again, even though they did not, all of these people, wherever, and I hope to be one of them, um, they did not participate. They did not do effect an atonement themselves. He still gives them all things and receive their inheritance and be made equal with him. He gives us all things. He doesn't withhold just because we have not accomplished what he accomplished. We partake in everything that he does. Okay, let's go to 3 Nephi 28, 6 through 10. Let's look at what he gave the three Nephites. Okay, again, we're talking about all things. What does that mean? 3 Nephi chapter 28, verses 6 through 10. And he said unto them, the three Nephites, Behold, I know your thoughts, and ye have desired the thing which John, my beloved, who was with me in my ministry, before that I was lifted up by the Jews, desired of me. Therefore, more blessed are ye, for ye shall never taste of death, but ye shall live to behold all the doings of the Father unto the children of men, even until all things shall be fulfilled according to the will of the Father, when I shall come in my glory with the powers of heaven. Okay, again, second coming. That's what we're talking about. And ye shall never endure the pains of death. But when I shall come in my glory, ye shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality. And then shall ye be blessed in the kingdom of my father. And again, ye shall not have pain while ye shall dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world. And all this will I do because of the thing which ye have desired of me. For ye have desired that, for ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me while the world shall stand. And for this cause, ye shall have fullness of joy. Remember what we read about the elders in DNC 29, that they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And once they received that, the Lord gave them a calling. You've received it. Now go help others receive it. Okay, that's what he's telling the three Nephites here. Ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me while the world shall stand. And for this cause, their righteous desire ye shall have fullness of joy and ye shall sit down in the kingdom of my father. Yea, your joy shall be full, even as the father hath given me fullness of joy. And ye shall be even as I am. Here we see the same thing. We get it again. And ye shall be even as I am. And I am even as the father and the father and I are one. So 
we are not only partakers of what Christ has, we are partakers of everything that the Father hath because Christ and the Father are one. They are equal partakers in all things. And they give us that exact same blessing if we will but seek them. They want to give it to us. They want to give it to us. So again, even though the Nephites didn't participate in an atonement, um, the Father gives them all things. And Justin, you know, if I could mention Justin Griffin, Justin Griffin had an interesting question for the Lord. Um, if, if any of you know Justin Griffin, he's, he's taught on here and, and he actually taught last night. Uh, he had an interesting question for the Lord and he said, he asked the Lord, why, why we give all the glory to him? Why do we have to give all the glory to you, Lord? And the answer he received back was that we give all the glory to God because God knows what to do with it. He gives it all out. He gives it all out. He gives all things to everybody. And then we, in turn, give all that glory right back to God. Okay, and Satan, he does the absolute, he does the complete opposite of that. He takes and takes and takes, and he gives nothing back. And that's why he eventually disintegrates to nothingness. And that's why God's glory continues to increase. Because he, as he gives us glory, okay, as he imparts all things to us, we just give it right back to him. And, and the circle goes round and round again. You may have heard Phil Davis teach that our spirits are receivers and transmitters of light. And I like that. That's a good way to put that. <clears throat> so continuing on in this process of ascension, okay, DNC 76, verse 56. We've talked about all things. DNC 76, verse 56, okay. The people that receive all things, okay, verse 56 says, they are they who are priests and kings who, uh, who have received of his fullness and of his glory. Okay, who are the people that have received of his fullness and his glory? Well, this is second comforter language. This is calling an election made sure. This is brother of Jared. As we read, this is Isaiah. This is John in the Isle of Patmos from that from the quote we read from Joseph Smith. Uh, this is Isaiah. Anybody who has received their second comforter has received of the fullness of Jesus Christ and of his glory. So these they are they who are priests and kings. Okay, now again. DNC 76 is just an outline of ascension. The full doctrine of ascension and where that's found and how we do that, that's contained in the Book of Mormon and, and really throughout all scripture. Um, and on the subject of DNC 76, 76 verse 56, they are they who are priests and kings. Um, let's, let's analyze that and kind of break down that phrase and look at that a little closer. And I, I personally believe that there is truth taught in the LDS endowment ceremony. There, there, I do believe that there are some, that there is some corruption, that there is, that there is corruption in, in the endowment ceremony, but there are also threads of truth if we have eyes to see it and a heart to understand it. And if you remember in the LDS, LDS endowment ceremony, we are anointed to become kings and priests to the most high God. And we are not that now, okay, but we are anointed to become so. Let's look at what that means, okay? Let's talk about what a king and a queen or king king and a priest or a queen and a priestess really is. And we'll just talk about king and priest, but know that the for women 
there is an equal calling of queen and priestess and even prophetess. And again, we'll just talk about king and priest, but it applies the same to women as well, uh, a queen and a priestess. So let's look at what that is. What is a queen and a priest and a priestess and a king and a priest? Let's go to Abraham, Abraham chapter one, verse two. And if, you know, I did do, I did do a whole Zoom a whole live stream on on these four verses in Abraham. So if you're interested in that, you can go back a few months and find uh, the doctrine of Christ and in the gospel of Abraham. Abraham chapter one, verse two. And finding there was greater happiness and peace and rest for me, this is Abraham, I sought for the blessings of the fathers. Okay. And the right whereunto I should be ordained to administer the same. So what does Abraham want? He wants to become a father, just like Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. He wants to inherit all things and be able to give all things out, just as Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father do for us. Having been a, myself a follower of righteousness, in other words, he tells us that he entered into covenant with Jesus Christ, having an Desire, having been myself a follower of righteousness, desiring also to be one who possessed great knowledge and to be a greater follower of righteousness and to possess a greater knowledge, this is revelation, and to be a father of many nations, a prince of peace, and desiring to receive instructions and to keep the commandments of God, I became a rightful heir, a high priest, holding the right belonging to the fathers. In other words, Abraham has been given all things okay now we're talking he says the fathers and we're talking about heavenly fathers here we're talking about we're talking about heavenly father and jesus christ and even on up it goes on forever the ascension these are not earthly fathers and how do we know this that this is not earthly fathers well abraham's going to tell us verse three it was conferred upon me from the fathers it came down from the fathers from the beginning of time, yea, even from the beginning or before the foundation of the earth down to the present time, even the right of the firstborn or the first man who is Adam or first father through the fathers unto me. So we're not talking about a time period on earth here. We are talking about a time period long past from even before the foundation of the earth. Okay, this is heavenly fathers. This is not earthly fathers. And verse four, I sought for mine appointment unto the priesthood according to the appointment of God unto the fathers concerning the seed. And just an interesting note in verse five, he says, he changes and he says, my fathers. So up until now, he has been talking about the fathers, but now he talks about my fathers. My fathers, having turned from their righteousness, now he's talking about earthly fathers and from the holy commandments which the Lord their God had given them unto the worshiping of the gods of the heathen utterly refused to hearken to my voice. Okay, so again, Abraham is not referring to his to to Terah, his earthly father. He's referring to heavenly fathers. Those are the ones they are the ones who gave him all things and gave him the 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 right to he sought for the right to administer the same as the heavenly fathers so uh abraham here is is being ordained and a king and a priest to the most high god and 
this is not, again, this is a pre-mortal calling. This is not a priest as in the LDS church that gets up and blesses the sacrament. This priest is a pre-mortal calling, like Abraham says in verse 3. This is not a calling of any man. No man puts his head upon you and and ordains you to be a king and a priest to God. That is God. That, is, that comes down from the Father. It's a pre-mortal calling in a heavenly realm from God. And Abraham had obviously entered into the rest of the Lord before this time period because he was being he was being given all things. So he had he had entered into the rest of the Lord and received his calling and election made sure before this time. Um, he came down to earth to fulfill his calling as a king and a priest. And it's interesting, Alma the Younger tells us almost the exact same thing that Abraham tells us. And this is some pretty deep stuff in, in Alma chapter 12 and Alma chapter 13. And I'm not going to tell you outright what is going on. Um, think about it. And as we read it, take it to the Lord and see what he has to tell you about it. Alma chapter 12. Let's go to Alma chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. Starting in verse 34. Alma, this is Alma and Amulek speaking to the people in Ammonihah. Therefore, whosoever repenteth and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten son unto a remission of his sins, and these shall enter into my rest. Okay, do you see the outline of DNC 76 being said by Alma the Younger in almost the same exact way? DNC 76 gives us this, this pathway to ascension, and Alma the Younger is doing the exact same thing. Okay, he's saying, verse 34, repent. Okay, don't harden your heart. Receive a testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, and if you receive a testimony of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will have claim on you through mercy. In other words, he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, the next thing, through mine only begotten, unto remission of his sins. Remember, receiving a remission of your sins is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then, and these shall enter into my rest. In other words, these people shall have their calling and election made sure. Isn't that cool? He says the same thing. He's teaching the doctrine of Christ. He's teaching the doctrine of ascension. Verse 35, and whosoever will harden his heart and will do iniquity, behold, I swear in my wrath that he shall not enter into my rest. In other words, you, if you harden your heart, you will not be partakers of all things. Just soften your heart and follow me and I will give you everything that I have. Verse 36. And now, my brethren, behold, I say unto you that if ye will harden your hearts, ye shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Hey, this is a very hard-hearted people that Alma is teaching. This is the people of Ammonihah who, who eventually murdered and burned alive Amulek's kindred, his family. And then the Lamanites come in and, and overtake them and sack them and destroy their city. Let's start verse 36 again. And now, my brethren, behold, I say unto you that if you will harden your hearts, you shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Therefore, your iniquity provoketh him that he sendeth down his, his wrath upon you as in the first provocation. Now, think about this word provoke and provocation. What does it mean? Therefore, your iniquity provoketh him that he, the Lord, sendeth down his wrath upon you as in the first provocation. What is that? We'll, we'll find out in a minute. Yea, according to his word, 
in the last provocation, that's now, as well as the first, to the everlasting destruction of your souls. Therefore, according to his word, unto the last death, as well as the first. There is a lot going on here. And again, I'm not going to tell you specifically. Take it to the Lord and find out what it means. Provocation. Let's talk about that word. That's an interesting word usage by Alma there. And to provoke is to do something that that elicits anger in someone else. Now, the Israelites, let's, let's actually, I won't say my commentary. Let's just go right to Jacob and get his commentary. Jacob chapter 1, verse 7. Okay. Wherefore, regarding the word provocation, wherefore we labored diligently among our people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and partake of the goodness of God, that they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he should swear in his wrath that they should not enter in. Okay, again, he's teaching the doctrine of Christ. He's teaching the doctrine of ascension. How do we become partakers of all things? How do we enter into the rest of the Lord? Same thing the brother of Jared did. That they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he, the Lord, should swear in his wrath that they should not enter in. As in the provocation in the days of temptation, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. In other words, the children of Israel, while they were in the wilderness, provoked the anger of the Lord. And the Lord withdrew his spirit. He withdrew his prophet Moses from them and they were left alone. They were left alone to worship their idols and to do what they wanted to do because they wouldn't enter into covenant with the Lord. Okay, that's the first provocation that we're talking about here. Now, let's go to Alma chapter. Let's go back to Alma chapter 12. Now that we understand what provocation is, what the first provocation is. That was the children of Israel in the wilderness. Alma chapter 12, verse 37. Okay. And now, my brethren, seeing we know these things and they are true, let us repent and harden not our hearts that we, he's speaking, again, he's speaking to such a hard-hearted people, the people of Ammonihah. They, they take Alma and Amulek and they put him in prison. And again, they, they burn women. They just do terrible things to people. Verse 37, and now, my brethren, seeing we know these things, we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the Israelites, seeing we know these things and they are true. Let us repent and harden not our hearts that we provoke not the Lord our God to pull down his wrath upon us in these, his second commandments, which he has given us. But let us enter into the rest of the Lord, which is prepared according to his word. Now again, rest of the Lord is second comforter language. Alma is talking about having your calling and election made sure and being given all things. And it's so interesting Alma is teaching the same ascension process as is laid out in DNC 76. He is teaching these people, these hard-hearted people, how to become kings and priests to the Most High God. DNC 76 is the outline. The Book of Mormon is actually how it's done. It, give, it gives examples of people who did it and people who didn't do it. How do we become this king and this priest? What is the pathway to ascension? Um, Let's just read, let's finish off with this. Let's finish off with Alma 13, 1 through 4. Again, Alma teaching some very, very deep doctrine to the people, to the very, very wicked people of the city of Ammonihah. Okay. And again, I am not going to go into it. You need to take it to the Lord as to what's really going on here. 
And again, my brethren, I would cite your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. Okay, remember the commandments, the commandments that he was just previously talking about in chapter 12 were coming to the Lord with a broken heart. It's the it's the doctrine of Christ entering into covenant with him. Okay, those are the commandments. And I would that ye should remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order, which was after the order of his son to teach these things unto the people. Well, what things is Alma talking about? Well, he's talking about the things that he is teaching to the people of the city of Ammonihah. And he says to the people of Ammonihah, I would that you should remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order. This is from before the foundation of the world, and we'll see that in a minute. The Lord God ordained priests after his holy order to teach these things unto the people. In other words, what he's saying is, I, Alma, I am one of these priests who was ordained after the holy order from before the foundation of the world to come and teach you, you people these things, the commandments of the Lord, how to enter into covenant with him, okay? And those priests, in other words, me, Alma, were ordained after the order of his son in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. This is a pre-mortal calling. Now, Alma was a very humble man. Christ was a very humble man. They did not come down in the worldly sense as kings and priests, having great riches and palaces and people who they, who they, who they commanded and great armies who they commanded. They were just humble people, which means that, that they were ordained kings and priests, not in a, an earthly realm, but in a heavenly realm. Verse 3, and this is the manner after which they were ordained being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God. Okay, so the Lord knew who these people were. Alma the Younger, Abraham, uh, Lehi, Nephi, the brother of Jared, Isaiah. He knew the, the spirit of these people. He knew who they were. And he ordained them before the foundation of the world to do the things that they were supposed to do. To Alma the Younger was ordained before the foundation of the world, before this world even existed, to come and teach these people to be a, to be, he was a priest and a king to teach these people these things. I hope this is clear. And this, this is the manner again, verse three, and this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works. They'd already shown the Lord previously what they were made of. In the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Now, we are not left. I'm sure that there is some portion of heaven where we can choose between good and evil. Okay, but we are not left to choose between good and evil. That happens on this earth. We are left here. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith are called with the holy calling. Yea, with that holy calling which was prepared with 
and according to a preparatory redemption for such. This is really, really deep stuff here, okay? Verse four, and thus they had been called to this holy calling on account of their faith, okay? So what Alma really is saying is, I was called as a king and a priest because God knew my heart, okay? God knew my heart from before the foundation of the world, and he knew that I would follow him. And Alma the Younger almost had a divergent path. He almost took a path, the path of Cain, okay? And an angel intervened and got him back on the right path. Verse four again, and thus they had been called to this holy counting, holy calling on account of their faith, while others would reject the spirit of God on account of the hardness of their hearts and blindness of their minds. While if they had not, if it had not been for this, they might have had as great privilege as their brethren. In other words, the Lord looks on everyone equally. Everyone has an equal opportunity. Or in fine, in the first place. They were on the same standing with their brethren. Again, the Lord gives everybody an equal opportunity. Thus, this holy calling, being called a king and a priest, which is what Alma was and Abraham and Isaiah and the brother of Jared, thus this holy calling being prepared from the foundation of the world for such as would not harden their hearts, being in and through the atonement of the only begotten son who was prepared. Okay. And it's interesting that Alma later on, we don't have time and we won't, we'll go into this at a later date. We'll keep going through uh, DNC 76, kind of verse by verse. It may take us three years, but um, it's interesting that Alma, the next verse in DNC 76 is, and are priests of the most high God, priests of the most high, DNC 76 verse 57. It may not pull up, but, and are priests of the most high after the order of Melchizedek which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten son. Okay, it's interesting that later on, after teaching this doctrine, the people of Ammonihah, Alma the Younger talks about Melchizedek. Okay, excuse me, and Melchizedek's calling and how Melchizedek was the presiding high priest. The same thing is laid out in DNC 76. Um, all, we'll, we'll end there and we'll pick back up. Um, again, at a later at a later date, keep going through DNC 76. I hope everyone knows that I love the Lord. I I am grateful for His mercy and His light and His glory and everything that He has blessed me with and my family. I have a testimony of Jesus Christ greater than I have ever had in my whole life, and I know the Book of Mormon to be His His. The process is laid out in the Book of Mormon about how to ascend. And and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful. I understand it to a degree that I never thought I could be able to or or was even capable of. And I know it's all only through Jesus Christ. And I say that in his name. Amen.